Today's episode of Daily DVR dives into Veronica Mars is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, the whole shebang, baby. DVR20, use it. You need a belt. You need cufflinks. You need ties. You need like a pocket square. Come on, look good. Elevate your style when you walk out the door in the morning. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. They have everything you need, and they got a great blog over there too that'll help you if you have an event coming up. So go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Veronica Mars. My name is Axel. My co-host is, of course, the wonderful and amazing Ken. And you can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. I am actually covering Bachelor in Paradise with Sarah and Mindhunter with Heath. You can check those out currently. Also, consider supporting us and becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash DVR. You can also send your feedback to DVRpodcast at gmail.com. We have gotten feedback. I haven't been reading it throughout. I'm going to I'm going to read it on our next podcast which is going to be a kind of series wrap like not wrap up but look at look back at um an overview with Sean who uh was the guy who introduced me to Veronica Mars and that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do that next week. But you still have time to send that feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com. But today, we have made it. Today, we're going to be talking about Veronica Mars, Season 4, Episode 8, the season finale entitled Years, Continents, Bloodshed. And there was definitely bloodshed. Ken, how you doing, pal? Honestly, I'm wearing all black today. Um I'm I'm really a little verklempt. I saw that I saw this episode for the first time a, probably a little over a week ago and then since then I've seen it three more times, the last of which was just a few hours ago. Um and I'm still emotional. Like it it was a gut punch. But it was like maybe the most satisfying gut punch, which I know is a little oxymoronic. Um, but I'm good. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to talk about this final episode of season four of Veronica Mars. Um, and I'm, I can't think of a better person to do it with. So, yes. Now I have, I have a similar reaction, but I also have a conspiracy theory. (laughs) I, I am ready for it. I, I am ready for it. So I had a little bit of a different reaction to, of course, we're talking about, and we can go ahead and say it. We're at the end here. Logan blew up in a car, which I'm not convinced totally that it happened, Ken. I I, I mean, but I mean, there was an explosion. You're just not convinced he died in that explosion. Yes. I think that the whole meeting with the ex-girlfriend that's in the military, like at this, what was up with that? And that it just was weird. The whole thing that he is working for the military and doing covert operations and intelligence why is that there? I just, I don't know. Veronica Mars is great at having people kind of pop back up and yeah. it loves to play with those classic television tropes. 
and one and one of them of course is somebody blowing up in a car that you never see explode or you never see you, there you know what i mean like we don't get a funeral we don't get anything we get one year later yeah and it just when it happened i was like what the and then i realized okay this is what happened but that scene with the girlfriend um the ex-girlfriend like in the middle of the episode Threw me for a loop in the middle of the episode. Now, of course, I'm paying attention for the podcast, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, where does this fit in? And then it's mentioned later by the therapist, but I don't know. I don't want to take away from uh, anyone who's watching or you as well um, the idea that Logan did blow up in that car and that pen killed him, right? Um, yeah, but so let me ask you a follow-up question based on this theory that you – which is really interesting to me, mainly because of – if it weren't for the scene with Parker, I would say you're crazy. But you are right that the scene where he bumps into Parker Lee, the the girl from season three of Veronica Mars, um, that yes, – that that Oh, gosh, I had – I knew – See, Ken, you you always have such a better memory than me. Yeah, she was um, she was the girl. She was Max's roommate. The the she had been the latest rape victim. Yes, in- I I remembered, but it did. But it was like, and I just watched last night, so I'm I'm like basically I watched this, took some notes, went to sleep, and now we're talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it I mean, me you are because I recognized, but I was like, who? Oh, and, it was, and she yeah. played such an important role, too. Well, she looks so different because she was a blonde in season three. She was a brunette in the final episode. She looks like she aged. I mean, not like she still looks great, but she definitely looks older. Um, so she didn't. I mean, who could blame you for not immediately recognizing her from season three? But you are overall right that that scene where he bumps into Parker at the clerk's office did seem oddly shoehorned. And it was oddly like the thumb sticking out um, of the entire episode. Like of all the people that he could bump into, of all the things that could happen, why did that happen? Why did it happen then? Um, So you are right. If it weren't for that, I would think... You're kind of a nut. Well, wait. <laughs> Didn't she also mention something like <clears throat> she said something to him like she mentioned his job. There was some mention of the job or was she somehow involved in it or she at least mentioned it. And I just felt that that was weird. Like she said something like secret agent, man. Like even if it was like a I can't remember in what context it was. Yeah. Um. But anyway. I don't want to go – I don't want to die. We don't have to go too deep into it like I was saying. I think it could be a possibility. Yeah. Perhaps for the context of the show and, and the journey that we went on, we should treat it as an event that happened in the show. Yeah. Right? And in, yeah. that, in that sense, I found it completely heartbreaking, especially when this was the season where I finally liked Logan. <laughs> um but i also kind of felt like you know what though it's par for the course for veronica mars isn't it well yeah i mean here's here's what i've been thinking i've been thinking that we as a genre public who loves 
genre storytelling, we fully accept that male characters like James Bond, uh, Jason Bourne, Sherlock Holmes love and lose love, but are basically living a life where because of the work they do, they are eternally single. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because because of the nature of their work, their calling, their lifestyles, they are eternally basically single, like bachelors. And they've all loved. Like there was a movie where Bond gets married, and then right after that wedding, tragically, his wife dies. I think in an explosion, actually. Yes. yes. Um, and then, you know, Jason Bourne had that German girlfriend from the first movie who bled over into the second movie. Yeah, and then, yeah. then she was tragically killed. Um, and Sherlock Holmes has also had great loves and, and lost those loves. So I, I feel like, you know, just because Veronica is a female and just because it's 2019 doesn't mean that the same kind of idea about about Veronica's work versus her personal yeah. life can't work here too. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. And that's that's part of the whole detective genre too, right? right? And especially the super detective, which Veronica kind of is like a super detective, right? Right. Like even though we've seen her go down the wrong road, um they they usually figure it out and she is usually very uh people around her are amazed by her you yeah. know she exists in rarefied air exactly the kind of people that you're talking about and yeah that's why it fits for the show because that is her that seems to be her lot um but she doesn't lose the thing about it the things for me Ken that balanced it for me was that we find out that Keith is okay. Yeah. So that was really, I have to admit that since my attachment to Logan was new and since I generally didn't think that he and Veronica actually made a great couple, like I started to like him more, but I still felt like it was a relic yeah, And they needed to kind of, that's why I could almost see Logan making that choice. It's kind of old Logan, you know, like hey, what happened was I figured it out too. And when I figured it out at that second, I decided to leave Veronica. It gave me an out. That's kind of how, that's why I just didn't trust it. And I just was so new to trusting him too. Yeah, that I didn't cry. I didn't ha really have that much of an emotional reaction. I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. But when I found out that Keith was okay, oh, my heart was like, oh, wow. Like, you know I mean? like it, like it opened up and I was like, oh, I saw a future for the show and them. And I was so happy, you know, and then it's hits you with, you know, they get married, you know, but well, it was something else, man. You know, when the tear, I, well, the first time I watched it, I didn't cry at all because I was just like, I felt like the air had been knocked out of me um, by a lot of things, not the least of which was Logan's quote unquote death. But when I watched it the second time, 
The thing that actually made me cry, and it's it's apropos, is because it, it was Veronica centric, was the reveal that she had been telling this story the entire time uh, from the couch yes. of of therapist Jane. That got and, me more too. Yes, wow, you you're totally right, pal. And then I started crying, like when she was like, "Well, what would Logan think of you being here?" And she was like, "That." that it's about time. And I'm like, I'm tearing up right now, just thinking of that line and thinking of her, her saying that because you can almost take Logan out of the equation and just think, what did it take for Veronica to sit on that couch? And what did it take for her to finally talk that way to a therapist? Like, and that made me emotional, mm-hmm. like the emotional journey that Veronica has been on, not only her entire life, but for this season where, you know, cause you and I've talked all season about her work versus her personal life. That seemed to be an ongoing thing. And of course it was a thing in this final episode too, but it was really a thing at the reveal that she was with Jane um, and it just made me so emotional and it kind of made me proud of her because Logan would have been proud of her. And it made me, it just, it makes me so emotional even right now to think of the journey that she's been on. Yeah. I, um, wow, that was beautiful, Ken. And I think that that's just, I, I mean, I don't know what, I, that's exactly it. And you're right. It's, and but it also made you feel hope. Yeah. Right? Like that what was that's what was great about it is when it went cuz I was thinking to myself there's not a lot of voiceover this episode. Yeah. Where's the voiceover? And then the voiceover kicks in and then it cuts and she's sitting there and she and I think she uses her name too, right? She says like if he knew I was here or he yeah. make, she makes reference to that in the dialogue. And, um, that really got me, uh, because it showed that, you know, it's that sacrifice thing, right? That if not for something like this, Veronica would not have reached that point. And it's sad that it takes that to reach that point, but that's kind of the bittersweet nature of life, right? Yeah. That it's these extremes that we often go to to find ourselves actually sitting on the other side. Yeah. And that's where she had to go. And we find her sitting on the other side and, and, and being honest and open and the whole thing. You know, like now we know why the narration, the, this voiceover has been really sad the whole time. Um, and you know, on when she's mentioning the loss that Maddie suffered and then she suffered and, and all the references to that and how in the end, you know, she got her father back, but at what cost, right? You, I mean, you're right about all of that and, and, and that's some good stuff, but you are also right in something you said a few minutes ago that all, despite all of that, it also being oddly, and 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 powerfully hopeful at the same time because she's not like 
she's not in a fetal position, curled up in a ball. Um, she's taking a new case. She's she's looking forward in some weird way. She seems to be looking forward to the future. Um, that voicemail, which we're going to get to later, that she listens to in the final shot, it had like this weirdly upbeat kind of tone to it, um, like yeah. a validation to her future, yeah. um, and and so. So at the same time that it was sad and tragic and a gut punch, it was like the best feeling gut punch I've ever had ultimately because, because of that, because of that hope sort of weaved into it. Yeah. You know, we've kind of already, uh, you know, I took notes in a kind of a different way and we kind of already, we sh- maybe we should just kind of go with it and yeah. find our points as we talk, because I did want to talk. I thought that voicemail for me was so beautiful and it really, you know, it captured something that I find men especially are hesitant to say about a woman, yeah. which is that they want to be that person. They want to be her, right? Yeah. It's very rare. And it's funny because I have said this. I mean, I say this to my wife, like sometimes she's like, you know, why do you, you know, why do you love me? I say, because honey, like I want to be more like you. Like you're, you're, you're like an inspiration to me. And I think that that's a rarity, right? Like usually you get a letter where a man says like, you know, you're my inspiration. You, you lift me up, you guide me and, and in this way, but the way that Logan said it was more like, I look at you and how strong you are and how you get through things. And I don't know any other way to say, but just like, I, you're like my hero. Like I want to be you. You know, and I thought it it was really powerful, man. It was not cheesy at all. And that's what I really loved about the way they handled this. I just think it was great. I completely agree with everything you just said. I don't know if I could say it much better, except to add that the Logan from season one, seasons one through three would not have said that. No, (laughs) he, well, he would have said something more traditional. He would have said, I love you, or you're my soulmate, or we're meant to be. He would have said something much more traditionally romantic, but to kind of get the nuts and bolts and kind of a different riff on you're my best friend, um, which is um, in one hand, it's not especially traditionally romantic, but on the other hand, it's, it's kind of wisely mature. You know what I mean? And it shows the evolution of Logan, but it also shows kind of a, a, a different side of love, a more mature side of love, a healthier side of love. Yeah, definitely. And I think in a sense, it also holds a mirror up to Veronica and you see a message like that um, rings so much more true when he, of course, recorded that without knowing what would happen, but that she gets it from the therapist that she's now going to. And when, when you analyze that and see that as a viewer that circle, um, it makes it feel whole, not like you're missing Logan, but as though he fulfilled a very important part of her life 
And we hopefully will continue to watch Veronica because even what he says in that is you can bounce back. You always keep on going, you know, and she's driving in a car off into the sunset, right? So he's, he's right. Uh, it's still sad, but I think that with all of this, this type of tragedy is a part of her story and is a part of this story. And it's really, uh, Overall, Veronica Mars, when you look at it, really is like a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> here we thought it'd be better than Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're absolutely right about that. But there was some a healthy bow wrapped yeah. around this one that hadn't been there in the past. Like when she Very survived. True, yeah. she, when she survived the you know the death of Lily Kane, when she dealt with um with the bus with the with the bus crash or the cases that she investigated while at Hearst College, there was something not healthy about the way that she was ultimately dealing with those things. Was she surviving? Yes. Was she getting through it? Yes. But not especially in the most healthy way. Whereas this moment felt um felt healthy. Er um and it felt oddly hopeful yeah and it even though it was sort of nourish and depressing <laughs> at all at the same time it still felt different yes there is definitely hope there um and definitely you're right she had made the choice to move forward in a healthier way about herself it seemed to be more concerned with the inward stuff and as we find out the little bits about where everyone is that is kind of secondary to her emotional journey, you know? And I think that that's really important. Um, Let's kind of, you know, since we started at the end, let's kind of, uh, what I kind of did is um, just let's talk about the mystery and kind of work our way back to the end. And we can talk about kind of where everybody ended up. Um, we start off the ep. Is that okay with you? Kind no, that's back? great. Right, that's cool. great. So we basically start off this episode right where we ended, where Penn is asking Veronica and Keith to take the, his case and yeah. prove that he didn't do it. But we also had that really strange kind of almost threat. You'll be much better off if you do. Um, yeah. So we start off with them in the uh, at the police station, and they decide to take the case. They kind of talk it over. They decide to take the case. Um, and uh, that was a quick little scene. I still, at that at this point, I still did not think it was Penn. <laughs> well, it's, it's the first scene of many, which we'll talk about later, where it's kind of this elaborate cat and mouse give and take yeah. back and forth thing between them and Penn. And we as a viewer are on this ride. And I agree with you at this moment, I was still like, it is not Penn. Someone is framing him. Um, In some ways he seems like he could be the bad guy, but he's not the bad guy. And, 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 you know, everyone who listened to our reaction to episode seven knows what you and I talked about. Like you and I were both, I think on the same page, like maybe it was one of the other murderhead people or. Oh, which they fooled us with. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then, of course, we're going to find out in a few minutes that that's exactly where they went. Yeah. And and so I, the whole time, was like, oh, my God, Axel and I were right. We were right the whole time. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, – and I like the, the one the, – what I liked about this episode is that even though it's the season finale, and I always kind of appreciated this about Veronica Mars, is it builds, right? Like, it doesn't start out and you think, oh, it's the season finale. It picks right up. We go right into it, you know? We go yeah. right from Veronica and uh, Keith and Penn. We see Maddie sneaking around Big Dick's house. All yes. of a sudden, we see also... Why Clyde is there. He's got some binoculars. Big Dick arrives back home. He calls Clyde on the phone. Clyde's actually sitting outside. He says it could just be the pool guy. Hey, there's somebody in the pool. Maybe it is the pool guy. Uh-oh, not the pool guy. No. And, uh, <laughs> Big Dick gets a sword right through him. I thought it was very kind of metaphoric because the way the sword kind of came up, Dodie kind of came up through him. It kind of looked like he was killed by a big dick. Did you, <laughs> did you get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he kind of, and even like Dodie even kind of appeared from behind him and gave like a satisfying, like, oh, yeah. you know, when he did that. Um, and that was kind of shocking, actually. It was shocking. I was shocked. I, I was like, that's Big Dick. He's been around for so long. He's dead. Now there are two Casablancas men down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. This this was an entire like self-contained sequence that wrapped up an entire chunk of the storyline that had to do with Clyde and Big Dick and Maddie because all of their fates had been intertwined. And also Dodie and, um, and Alonzo's storyline was all wrapped up in this one sequence. It was shocking. I did not think that big dick Casablancas was going to die, get stabbed or get beheaded afterward. Um, here's some things that I thought were really interesting about the sequence. A, it reminded me of season one, Veronica Mars. Like Maddie reminded me of like high school Veronica. Like there was physical danger and, you know, and I, I was concerned for her the same way I would have been concerned. Like at the end of season one of Veronica Mars between her and Aaron so it, it kind of gave me a little bit of a flashback to that. And then the other thing was Maddie's reaction because she watches the whole thing and she kind of has like a little bit of a dead inside reaction yes. to watching a man get gut like stabbed and then beheaded. Like she doesn't have the kind of reaction. Like if I had seen that, Oh my God, the mess, I would have been a and mess. She never tells Veronica and Keith that she was there. She internalizes the whole thing just like Veronica. Yep. <laughs> like, they really set that up. It was so sneak. There's a lot of things. That's why, I mean, I'll say right now, I definitely hope. I know Hulu kind of messed up with the way they released this, I think. And unfortunately, and we'll talk about that with Sean because I know he knows probably a lot more about it, about what the response has been and everything. Um, critically, it was great. Yeah. But they laid so many great little things down for more of Veronica Mars. Because, yeah, this Maddie is, you're absolutely right. Like, they sneak attacked her being Veronica. Like, it came on strong for that one episode when she was like, oh, you're my little junior partner, you know? But then it kind of faded, right? Yeah. And it wasn't in this kind of stuff, though. The way she watched this happen... 
um, the way that, and I wasn't quite sure, did Clyde see her or not? There was some question to me. I don't think he did, but he's there and he's watching. How long was he there? You know? His reaction was also character driven and fascinating because he was sort of like, eh, <laughs> like, or like, really? Or like, kind of like bemused, surprised. Like, his reaction was also like a non reaction to a horrible thing. Um, kind of like Maddie's reaction was also a non reaction. And it was odd that they, in a way, they tied together Maddie and Clyde, both having a non reaction to a horrific event, even though they seem like radically different characters, they both were like, hmm, yeah, hmm, he's dead. That's Neptune for you, right? And then, of course, there was that line. The other thing about the sequence was the line between Dodie and Alonso after they kill him, because the there's a beat where Alonso's like, well, I, I mean, where Dodie's like, I guess we have to go home. And then there's a beat like, do we? Like, can't we just stay here? And then Alonzo says, well, not like we have much of a choice. Yeah. And and the way he – and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the way he said the line was almost like Veronica could say that line or Weevil could say that line. Oh, I think totally. It's the system. You're totally right. I think yeah. that – I mean, we saw how much fun. Remember when they were all when they were having fun, and they saw the yeah. mayor running nude, and <laughs> right. they were living it up, you know. And and remember their entrance, where yeah. they're just on the beach, you know, totally like fish out of water. Um, I yeah, I I thought that that was great. That's another little subtle thing they did here. They kill him. We find out later they dismembered him, and we don't know how much of that Maddie saw, right? Yeah, uh, you know she was she had to have waited there until they left, or did she sneak out? I mean, then Clyde saw how, how long was Clyde? That, you know, there's so, there's questions there. Who knows? But um, it, it's uh, I think that that theme of not having a choice is all the way around. Like she's kind of trapped there, has to watch it, internalize it. They have to go home. Uh, yeah. it was it, the whole scene was really. It kind of brought to fruition their storyline. But then at the end, we don't see them. That's it. It's so unsentimental. And it it ultimately feels refreshing to me that, like, we don't get another check-in with Nicole. um, We don't get another check-in with Weevil. We don't get another check-in with Alonzo and Dodie. So it's like... It's kind of bare-boned, unsentimental storytelling, which I guess I could understand if someone has a problem with it or is annoyed by that kind of tonally. But for me, it's kind of refreshing that – that because you and I have been talking about this all season where it's kind of economical storytelling, where it's like bare, like bare bones. And, and I think you and I have really enjoyed that ride. I I really like that too, Ken, and because it makes me feel like the world goes on, yeah. you know, like when they and it avoids what they did in the movie, which I love the movie. We talked about the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun, but there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of oh, someone appears. That was fun to see them, yeah. you know. And I think what they're saying is, hey, we did that. We're back. You know, you if if this is a regular show, we'll see these people next season. 
Right. And I hope we do because there better be another season. But um, yeah, this whole this whole thing with the with uh, Lonzo and Doty just kind of walking off, yeah. and leaving that up in the air to all the stuff with Weevil, the connection to the cartel that's obviously still connected to Neptune. Maybe it's more connected. We find out later, you know, that Clyde has his car place, right? Yeah. Maybe that's Weevil's involvement. I thought Weevil might be in the background there, you know, in a yeah. suit or something. So it really leaves the world churning as we kind of check in with little things. Uh, well, not little things, but check in with our main story and the little things keep on going. Um, well, then once this kind of part of the story kind of gets wrapped up within the sequence, we continue sort of the cat and mouse chess game of Veronica and her father, the Penn Epner. Is he guilty? Is he not guilty? And then it becomes a very plot driven sort of 15 or 20 minutes. Yes. Kind of the middle of the episode is sort of focused on this part of it where Veronica and Keith are determined to either prove his guilt or prove his innocence. And this starts with them following up the lead once and for all with the, with the frat boys yes. at, at Hearst college, which we talked about last episode too. And you were saying there's gotta be something. And it was, and it turns out that the reason why that kid died in a hazing accident, his tent lit on fire was because he and some of the older frat brothers and a one a, and a so and a younger frat brother who Veronica interviews and finds out gets this information from had drowned they thought a pizza guy right oh who's a pizza guy so this <laughs> right. leads us down the road oh it was pen was it pen Maddie gets on the case. All of a sudden, she's just integrated, right? She's yeah, working. Yeah. The, I love the way there's not like a big thing. She just does it. She yeah. goes. She works. She finds the receipts. Oh, my gosh. What does the receipt say? It was Don. Who Who is? That's Clark Duke's name. Now we know his name. <laughs> and, 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 and we quickly just kind of economically learned something we didn't know before, which is that prior to him being in quote unquote DC working as an advisor to politicians, supposedly yeah. that he was a pizza boy with Penn Epner three years ago and that he, and that he also worked for Cho's pizza, yep. um, which is pr presumably how Don and Penn met, which we had never heard that story before, but now suddenly we know that story and, so then it's like, and so then this is when I'm like yelling at the TV screen, like Axel and I were right. It was one of the murder heads. It was Don. I thought that's what I was thinking too. I, and, and I love the way that they added how he didn't really live there. Right. He was like yeah. in San Diego. Right. He, the whole thing was a lie, blah, 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 blah. And um, I thought that that was, it was really fun that they had him in the show, you know, I think myself, other people probably recognize him. He's a, such a character. He and Penn had those struggles, right? Yeah. Maybe it was about the girl or just struggle for the Murderhead organization. And then they were able to wrap it into this. And I like the little thing about the receipts, you know, yeah. like, oh, okay, no, that's his receipt. Um, now, Again, the plot churning it, 
The cops raid Penn's house, uh, not Penn's house. I'm sorry, Don's house. Um, they're onto it right away. We don't get a lot of interaction here with like, you know, Keith and Veronica reporting it to the cop, to the sheriff and blah, blah, blah. Right. It just yeah. kind of happens, which I appreciated too. And again, yeah. guess what is at his house? Bomb making materials. And then it started to sound a little familiar to me. Yeah. This is where I started to think, wait a second, this is just like the Perry thing. Yeah. And it's just like the way that Veronica, they showed Veronica watching it on the TV. Remember, that's like how she finds out about it. I'm correct about that, right? Yeah. Out yeah, of yeah. My mind. So it was just like, it was very similar. They gave you little hints here, um, but it allows, this allows Penn to kind of work the case with Veronica and Keith. So now we got Penn, Maddie, Veronica, and Keith actively right. trying to find Don because he's absconded. And when um, it's so, oh, I thought this was a great part when the police chief on the television goes, and now he's, he's in the wind and it cuts to Veronica and she's just like, Oh God, not again. Like this <laughs> happens every season. <laughs> like, we already did this with Penn last episode. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. It's like it always is. We're always chased. The cops always let him go, you know? Right. Like, like that's like the, like that. And, and, and this is a trope that isn't just for Veronica Mars. You, you, you see this all the time where the cops are like resigned, like they're in the wind. Like that's exactly. the end of, that's the end. Like there's nothing <laughs> else they can do. Yeah. They should just, it's like a cartoon where they just have a sign that says in the wind, you know, like and, the, and the, all the journalists go, okay, take a little break from our Veronica Mars discussion to remind you to go to our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com baby go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 get 20 percent off your order no minimum that's right baby it's all there for the taking if you like ncaa nfl major league baseball nba star wars game of thrones marvel dc they've got everything hey man they got new stuff for the aladdin movie it's amazing stuff check it out cufflinks.com has everything along with those classic styles that just look good they don't they're not all genre stuff they've got the classic stuff too so go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 today one of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. So this gives the opportunity for Penn, like I said, to team up. 
and Veronica realizes he's the only person who's going to know where Don is. They yeah. end up going to this in abandoned. What was it? They uh, like industrial park. Um, yeah, it was they, like an old factory an old or fa- an old. Yeah, like an old factory. And yeah. uh, they find Don, who's shot in the head, which was I that that did surprise me. I thought maybe he would be. I thought they'd give him a chance to act a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and he'd be like tied up or something and then there'd be, and then maybe like Penn would kill him or something. Well, I didn't really know it was going to happen then, but I was actually kind of surprised at this. Um, but at the same time, Maddie tells Keith, cause Keith is like waiting outside cause Veronica wants him to come in, but he is worried about his brain and messing up. Um, yeah. and, uh, Maddie finds out, Hey, Penn had basically used, had switched the receipt books. So he had made a mistake and now it was evident that it wasn't Don. It was Penn. He comes rushing in to save Veronica. And actually Penn had like a gun in his hand at that time, which later struck me as strange, but except that I think Penn was committed to, the storyline yes. that he had set into yes, place. That's what I, exactly. That's what I was thinking, that he just was so into it. Yeah. Right? Like playing the role. Um, of the innocent guy yeah. who had just found the guilty guy. Yeah. Cause he, cause, because he didn't want to give up on all the work he had done. Right. Right? Right. Like, because, <laughs> I mean, like later on he has a, a line where he's like, my contingency plans have contingency plans. Yeah. So he really models himself as like this like – um, this this brilliant master criminal who's like 10 steps ahead of everyone, whether that's true or not. I mean, ultimately, it's not true because Veronica and Keith figured it out. So there was a flaw to his thinking, obviously. But he is obviously self-aggrandizing. Um, and yeah, so he was very committed to like, I'm the innocent guy. Yeah. Um, even though he had a gun in his hand and he could easily have killed Veronica, um, killed Keith. Um, but he, he, he was committed to like, I'm, I'm going to play this out, but, but you're absolutely right. By then Keith had figured it out because of Maddie's help. Um, and, and, but then it becomes, but then it's like, takes the great turn of like, but wait a minute, there's one more bomb and it's going (laughs) to go off in 14 minutes. And so the, I love this. It's so good. Cause then they're like, let's. We need him. We still need him, even though he's guilty, because he's the only one who knows where the bomb is. Um, and then uh, uh, Veronica, which is great. It's so smart to like have her when Keith mentions that Maddie is at the dedication of the new high school, Kane High School. Then Veronica, you could see the wheels turning in her head. She finally puts it together what the true meaning of the last limerick was. Yep. And then she realizes that the lim- that the that the final bomb is not at the Fiji um sandwich shop, that it's actually at Kane High School. And this is also a good foreshadowing for what happens later with the bomb in the car with Logan. Yeah, absolutely. Where it provides us, you can see, you can imagine them in the writer's room thinking, okay, this is great because we've established this not too much earlier in the episode. 
So when it happens here at such a critical point to the entire series, it's more believable that she figures it out at this point, but this time it's too late, you know? And I love this whole thing where they throw Penn in the back. He's still he's still saying he's innocent, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's like, come on, guys. And I'm still thinking maybe it's not. I mean, you know, because I still kind of had this idea that it was different people doing, you know. Maybe yeah. he had done just the neck bomb because of the frat guys, right? Like yeah. something like that. Because I think that was the one that he was somehow connected to them, right? Yeah. Um. So I still didn't know it, but they throw him in there and then they go to this opening and it's, you know, everybody's there, the principal. And he mentions when I became principal 15 years ago and we remember, remember he became the principal from the vice principal. And I was like thrown back to that. And I was like, oh, remember his son too? And um, (laughs) all the stuff that happened. And then. They're all sitting out there and then Kane is there too and Wallace is there, right? You know, it's like yeah. a whole gathering. There's a couple other faces that I recognized in the audience that they threw in. And then out of nowhere, you hear the screeching car, you know, and a big wide crane shot. In comes Veronica. It was a little stagey, but yeah. I still loved it. I think they needed to... What they needed to do, and this is just my directorial, if I was there, I would have said what we needed to do was we needed to put some people like on the other side of the street who were waiting to or something. So it, because it kind of seemed like she like rushed and like skidded the car for like no reason because there was nothing there, (laughs) (laughs) but I still loved it. It was still fun. And yeah. then she, and then when she's fighting Kane for the microphone, oh, my oh God. man, that was classic because that was like such a metaphor, and it's you know that was like such her her like teenage years. I wish she would have just socked him in the face, you know, or pushed him off the stage. Well, I I mean that was a total callback moment. So unless I mean if you're watching. Veronica Mars for the first time with season four, that would have, I don't know how that would have seemed to you, but yeah. if you're a lifelong fan of Veronica Mars <laughs> and you know her history with Jake Kane, you're like get him. <laughs> right. Like I wanted her to punch him too. Like she did, um, uh, wh- like she did the bully girl in the yeah. movie, uh, Madison Sinclair. Um, yeah. Like Jake Kane, always a douchebag, always a douchebag. Even in this moment where, there's obviously something wrong. He still like, won't give her the microphone. He still won't give her any satisfaction. In fact, his eyes roll when he sees her jump out of the car. He's like, Veronica Mars, of course, ruin another moment for me (laughs) because that's, that's the only way he can see it is from his point of view and his like lifelong feud with this little girl that he's been having. It was great. It was. And he really, you know what, man, that dude, he just shows up and is that guy every time, isn't he? Yeah. Um, because he's in a lot of different stuff. You see him. He's a good character actor. And he yeah. really just embody it's every that this show is so awesome. Every time someone shows up, that's why I just wanted to keep on going. Um, but we get the great scene here where Veronica grabs that, she tells everybody to run they all run away, but they don't go too far. Like yeah. a lot of them kind of just like stick around and still see what's happening. And then finally 
Keith is able to convince Penn to disarm the bomb only because he's going to blow up and get killed too if he doesn't do it. I'd- and 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 Keith has the convincing argument like there may be something fatally wrong with me, so in a way yeah. I don't care if I die. Yeah, in this so there's explosion. no bluff here, right? There's no I'm staying here with you, right? There's no bluff, yes. which I thought really worked. Um, and then of course Penn breaks down. He yeah. can't do it. And who does, who in the end is the person who disarms the bomb? It's Keith. Yeah. Even all bad brain and all. Oh, that, that was, uh, I like, I think this worked really well. And I have to hand it to Patton Oswald who played this character could have been very cliched, but I like the way that he was dedicated to it. And the, and Penn was so dedicated to his plan and his contingencies and his story. And it brings into, it brings into mind. You remember, okay, this guy is like, he lists all these murder podcasts, right? He's always thinking about how to do this and do that. And the thing that all those people, the mistake they always make is that these are crimes of emotion, right? And in the end, no matter what ideas he had, this is like uh, Heath and I are covering uh, the great show Mindhunter and yeah. the way that Penn acts very much like these criminals, these serial criminals, because he wants the adulation, the attention, you know, the only thing that Veronica Mars didn't add um, to this is whether there was some kind of like sexual gratification, but we've gotten that before. Yeah. Um, so they didn't need to throw that in. I thought it, they could have given Penn like a little like, slave guy like they did um in season three remember (laughs) (laughs) but we did get to see him again but not it was it would be funny if he and pen become friends in jail that my friend would be awesome see veronica mars is in a sense like batman she is assembling a rogues gallery right of past criminals that can come back to haunt her just in the sense like of what Penn did here. This is very Joker-esque. It is. You know? It is. So it's just, man, it gets me excited the way they constructed this. Well, and the the tragic underpinning of the Penn character is kind of – and there's lots of bad guys like this in lots of movies and television shows that have the same underpinning, which is that he firmly, the thing that makes him crazy, the thing that makes him really crazy is that he's 100% convinced that he's the hero of his own story. Yeah. yeah. And I think they did a great job. I think that they did the best job this season of the little explanation, you know? Yeah. Um, because even like Aaron Eccles was more like you crack. Oh, I did. And then he went back on it. It was more of the kind of crazy guy, you know? Yeah. But here Penn was what, unfortunately we're seeing more and more of these days, this type of like incel internet wannabe famous guy, right? Where that is like the point is he is a terrorist. Yes. He's a terrorist because what he's doing is using terror to enact his political agenda. 
And his political agenda is that he thought that these kids were disgusting, immoral. They were ruining the town. Look what they, he was the pizza guy, right? Right. And look, we find out again, uh, and we, we remember the story of him blinding his friend, right? Like how he had it in. So you start to form a profile of Penn, and it's very fitting with today's kind of like alt-right, very angry, everybody's against me, you know, kind of yeah. like sad man. And um, angry, uh, really troubled guy and i thought that he did a good job because pat oswald can sometimes be over the top yeah and i felt that the little conversation with he and veronica when he's in the cop car was quick but it was efficient and it also i believed it yeah like when it was over i didn't just think oh he's a crazy he's a okay veronica mars is a tv show he's a crazy guy like I actually believed him and I was like, oh man, this, this like kind of hits close to home today when we see well, what's going on in the world. The Joker reference you made is it different tonally, but you're, you were yeah. absolutely right to reference that. Like the conversation they have when he's in the backseat of the police car and Veronica walks over to him and they have a little brief conversation through the window of the car. It's very Batman Joker. It's so Batman Joker. I mean, it's different tonally. It's more over the top with Batman and Joker and stylized in a different way. But the dynamic between Penn and Veronica at its core is very similar. Yeah. And I think this really sets him up as her greatest enemy at this point, you know? And I really, man, they did a great job of this. And it was, like I said, it was a quick one in the car there. And, you know, that's the thing. Veronica Mars does still follow some of these television tropes, you know, as do many shows. And you have that little kind of final, like, confrontation. And what Penn said to her really haunts her, especially after what he did, which was kill Logan. Um, But... It had resonance anyway because he was right. He was like, I'm going to become famous. Some some girl's going to come and marry me, you know? And you just imagine in the future and TMZ doing an interview, you know, blah, keep on following it. And the murder heads, get they each get a podcast, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, he's right. It's, it's a, it, they really tapped into something there with our culture, kind of the celebration of this type of um, of uh, horrific violence, and uh, it's that's kind of it. That's what we see from Penn. Yeah, he gets. That's he, a, I mean, that's effectively the end of the main the mystery storyline, and then from that gr- kind of great sequence. I mean, you are right about some of the staging of that sequence, and. I, for the first time ever in that sequence, I saw a little bit of the limitation of their funding, kind of a little yeah, bit in that sequence, yeah. but but still a great sequence um, and kind of emotionally driven and psychologically driven, which is great. But we go from that sequence to a much more quiet and personal scene and really a kind of a greatly, I mean, all of their scenes have been greatly written all year, but the scene, but the final scene between Clyde and Keith um, is once again phenomenal. Like 
I, you know, just great acting all the way around, great writing all the way around. And it's kind of a good, it, it turns out to be a goodbye between these two characters. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. And again, I think it's setting up for the future. Yeah. This was fantastic. J.K. Simmons, what an actor. Yeah. I mean, these two really just hit it off. I imagine that, in, uh, you know, you want to imagine who knows that on the set they loved working. They just seem like they really enjoyed working together. Yeah. And it's rare that you get a scene like this where an older man says to another older man, kind of like, hey, you know, it's not often that two old guys find a friend. And he says to him something like, I really enjoy, I just enjoy your company. Yeah. And I thought it was really beautiful in a sense. And uh, and Keith is like, yeah, no, um, <laughs> you're not, you're not, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. But I'll, I'll take your liquor, though. Um, and, <laughs> and I'll take I, and I'll take your test results. Yeah, your test re- oh, we should mention that that scene begins with Keith on the phone with the neck bomb kid's dad and collecting the, what's like $250,000 reward. Right. Yeah. So he has, he gave, he gives him his, um, bank routing number and he's collected the reward. So that's kind of cool that that's happened, you know, because we saw them have trouble with connect collecting from the Maloofs and getting stiffed, getting like half the amount of money. Um, that Vinny got, and, uh, it's good to see that. And I think that also gave Keith a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a confidence, you know? Um, and, and also the fact that, you know, this is like, like you said, he gets the test results. He didn't even know, you know, what his test results were. And, um, he makes a big decision here. It's just like, nah, Clyde, but I don't know. I kind of hope, you know, you kind of think they see each other around town, you know, maybe once they're at the bar because well, this, I mean, this writing was sneaky good because you and I talked a lot, especially at the beginning of the season about who was in charge, Clyde yeah, or big Dick. Yep. And, and was Clyde really a Machiavelli- Machiavellian villain who was just sort of posing as an underling, but this, the way it ended up for Clyde, 1000% more interesting to me because now we have a known criminal, at least known to Keith, who's morally ambiguous. He's not 100% bad, but he's also not 100% good. He's kind of in it for himself, but he's kind of at his core, an interesting kind of good guy at his core, but he's willing to do horrific things to get what he wants. And this is a great way. This is a great way to leave this character because if he is going to appear in the future and have future dealings with either Keith, Veronica, or both of them, they're never going to know what side he's playing. Like he could be playing a good side. He could be playing a bad side. He could be playing a neutral side. So Clyde is a, He's even more fascinating to me now. I totally agree. Because he's the type that, you know, when Keith told that story about how he didn't use a gun in the robberies. Yeah. You know, the way Keith spun it is because, oh, he's a good guy. But then you think about it and the way Clyde might spin it is say, when you use a gun, there's more complications and you serve more time. Yeah. So I would have killed somebody if I had to. Yeah. But. 
I, it wasn't it wasn't a smart thing to do. So it's not like he really is this like beautiful man who is caught as a criminal. No, he knows who he is. Yeah. Um, and I and in the way that he represents himself to Keith, it is too because he doesn't tell him the whole truth. It's true that it was Big Dick's idea. And he didn't want to do the bomb and everything. But once it happened, Clyde didn't turn him in. He didn't stop him, right? You know? So there's there there was an omission there, too. So I thought that was cool. Um, we then get a couple of... Uh, we get the scenes we mentioned already where Logan goes to his therapist and he sees, um, sees the ex. Right, Parker. Parker, yeah. which I got to go back and watch that scene again because I was like, I was like, yes, wait, she's been on this show. And for a second, I was like, wait, does he work? I, I don't know. Why did I think it had something to do? Did she mention the job? I don't know why I thought that. But I love that she shows up because she was kind of s- such a strange part of that season. Yeah. And I'd like to see her again because I actually thought she was a good actress. Um, um, even though- so- Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it would be good. And it would be good. It, it was the maybe the final reminder that there is a Veronica Mars universe and that anyone could show up. Um, someone from season one could show up in season five or, you know. So this is a – Neptune is a self-contained universe, which Rob and Diane have done painstaking work to create. Um and so it's like a fictional world. It's a well-developed, it's like Westeros. So, so there are people like Parker who could just show up. Yeah. And, and it's great. Exactly. Like in season five, towards the end of the season, guess what? Veronica could be working with Leo on some FBI thing that involves Maloof, the senator. And you know who yeah. could just show up? An ex. An ex named Logan who didn't really die. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, my God. That get, would be great. <laughs> we get everybody, um, everybody's gathering at, um, at town hall, at the town hall, right? I guess yeah. that's what that is. Uh, but first, first, it's Keith and Veronica, and they have a really nice conversation here. They mention the um, the money, yeah. and uh, Keith tells Veronica he's not brain damaged. The test results came in. He read yep. them. It was it's just, medicine. It, it, yeah, it was just a weird mixture of the medications that he was on. Yep, which which is a plausible thing. Yeah, and absolutely. it does happen, and uh, this is where I was so happy, Ken, because that was my concern. I love Keith and Veronica; their relationship to me is the foundational relationship of this show. Yes, and that I just wanted Keith to be okay. I felt uncomfortable about what's he going to retire, and then he just told the only friend he could go fishing with that he doesn't want to be friends with him. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that was kind of so. I was like, yes, he's okay. All right. Back. And he says, I can get back to work. I he like does, the way he is, adds that. Which is important. And then yes. the other thing I, I would add, which I don't normally note things like this, honestly, even though I'm gay, I don't note what people wear generally. But Kristen Bell looked fan- – she looked believably fantastic. Yeah. She looked like a believable bride for her character. She wasn't wearing this outlandishly expensive dress. She didn't look like fancy, like unbelievably fancy. It was a simple white dress that she, 
bought off the rack. Um, but she looked fantastic and she looked like she was glowing. Like she, she, she did. Yeah. She did. And you know what? In this scene and in there was an earlier scene where they talk about the wedding and decide to get married so quickly. Yeah. yeah. And the she was just a different Veronica in those scenes. And it yeah. really does make you think that she really had made the choice to to open herself up to Logan. And mm-hmm. and that she it makes me think, and it's a sad thought that she would have been sitting there in the therapy room with him, you know, Um, that she had made that choice. And though in the end, when, you know, when you hear, when she's riding off, I think, well, okay, it meant something that Logan died. She learned something from it. I still kind of felt like she was on that way anyway. And you're absolutely right. The whole now we'll talk quickly about the whole sorry text, which I thought was cute. Um, it really did make me think that he wasn't going to show up again. <laughs> it did, yeah. Um, but then, and then also the way that, like, even when he said to her, "No, honey, it was just a sorry," I thought she was going to walk off because yeah. so much of their relationship is one of them overreacting. Yes, that it was like. But then when it didn't, I was like, oh, God, good. That really got me, man. That almost got me more than the bomb going off because it was like so typical that would always make me angry at them, you know, like just take a breath. And they both did take a breath and they trusted each other. And that was a little beautiful moment. And also the look, the way Wallace came to her defense, but the way Keith was kind of like, hold on a second, honey, you know? You know, I'm going to tell you something. The first time I saw the episode, I thought that sequence was overwritten. Um, and I, I was slightly annoyed. And I wish I'd had my, you know, the, like what, how you just described it is, 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 is how it was intended. And it was what, what was intended when it was written. And, and so I'm so glad that you're much smarter but than I But I don't am. think you're totally wrong, though, Ken. I think it yeah. was a little over you know like that's why yeah. I, when i introduced i was like we'll talk about because it was a little like it maybe went on a few beats too long but it made up for it for me because veronica was the one who kept it going yeah. and then it started playing into the old cycle that they were in but right. they were able to extricate themselves from it by trusting each other and right and yeah, and the family was around them. So that, that to me kind of made up for it, yeah. but I could see where you're coming from there because when it was happening, I was a little bit like, they're not doing this again. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. Um, we didn't get this far for this. Like that would, I kind of almost felt like, is this show taking a step back like that? But they got me and it was cool. But I do, again, I want to say when Wallace was like, oh man, he can't treat you like that, Veronica. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Wallace. You know, I was like, I just like that. I wish, I also, I liked the wedding. I thought it was, it was so quick. Yeah. So quick. And I, I almost feel like they made a conscious decision to not have a few other people that maybe could have, kind of showed up or something you know what i mean like maybe dick gets back from filming 
Right. You know, or, you know, just something, you know, or like maybe Nicole, you see her in the di- in the background, like you, they're kind of patching things up or, you know, Clyde yeah. pours one out or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Weevil maybe, I don't know, yeah. it just, but it was not, again, restrained. Yes. And quick. And it didn't, t- it was very beautiful. She looked beautiful. His face, man, he really... After all that you know that Logan's been through and how angry, when he smiles, it really lights you up, you know? Yeah, he, and, he, he has a great smile, for sure. Yeah, and he just seems like a real... I know in real life, he's got like five kids and stuff, and he's a real dedicated dad. I read some article about him or something, but yeah. um, it kind of made me, as a dad myself, I kind of saw him in a new, a different way this season, and to have this really beautiful scene and then the really playful banter in the bathroom and at the house before the car blows up, yeah. it, that was that's what really made it that heartbreaking. Because you could see the potential of yeah. the life that they were going to have. Yeah. And she was turning a corner because she was so dour this season, man. She was really... We were yeah. talking about it and making these decisions to party and get wasted all the time. And you know what I mean? And like run away, not talk, you yeah. know, um, upset about Keith, what was happening in the town, the case, Maddie herself. Then Leo comes in just making mistakes, you know, and it really being difficult. And then it just seemed like everything had simplified itself Yeah, for that brief moment, but not to last. So we already talked about at the start of this episode, the kind of the explosion, kind of the end or this part of the end. But then we get this great. And once again, it's very rooted in noir movies and storytelling, kind of the one year later. Yes. Um, And then a boy, this show. God, it's so good. Like, not only do you get emotional <laughs> beats in the one year later, dot, 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 but you also get, like, the political and social stuff that's been brewing yeah, yes. since season this one. awesome. It's so good. Yeah. You know, I I have to say, when they did – when it first slid across in, like, the kind of new text that they have, yeah. one year later – and the cars drive, you know, you see Neptune. They get a lot of nice aerial shots here, too. Yeah. Um, I was, for a second, I had a, a tinge of worry. Yeah. Uh-oh. I also felt like, are they wrapping this thing up now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I got scared. You always, I mean, it's Veronica Mars. They were going to wrap it up at the end of every season, right? So it's like, they're wrapping this up. But the way that they did this... By the end of it, I had a big, and, and you know, with, of course, we talk about the therapist, I just had a big smile on my face. I mean, everything just boom, boom, boom. It wasn't overcomplicated. No. The detective agency, Keith is working. We mentioned, they mentioned Veronica, I should say they, it's the voiceover that he has a girlfriend. Who's his girlfriend? Yeah. I don't know, but I like that they mentioned Maddie just kind of walks in the camera trail, right? Goes from Keith and yeah. very nice camera work. She's, she's coming in and who is Maddie with the dog? She's the new Veronica, right? Yeah. Like comes running in. That yeah. was great. And then of course, Clyde gets what he wanted yes. all along, which is that 
uh, uh, Comrade Quacks. It's, it, he he wanted that property. He gets Comrade Quacks. He's turned it into his vintage car palace, um, and and so he's. But but more than that, it from the visual you get the sense that he's now a mover and shaker in Neptune, and yes. it, it really sets up a potential season five in lots of ways. Not just the Clyde part, the Maddie and Keith running the detective agency, uh, Veronica taking cases out of Neptune. Mm-hmm. It. I mean, in addition to being emotionally satisfying as far as character work goes, it also completely sets up what a season five of this show could look like. And Clyde's girl, old girlfriend was there. That's right. The eight, um, the, uh, the, the really nice looking Asian lady yes. who was the love of his life. Yep. Like, who, who had his money too, remember? Right. And what if they explored that relationship in season five? It's like, great. It, I love it. It's great. It was really and all and all the and you see Maloof for Senate. Yes. Along yes. the on like a bus stop. Um you see the way that Neptune has changed that nut past she mentions. That, with the exception of the sea sprite. Yes, yes, with the exception of the sea sprite and you, but you do get these awesome aerial shots and you, you do see the way it's changed and you get this radio, hey, everybody, come out to Neptune. Blah, blah. And then Veronica's like, no, that's nobody's here. That Neptune is not that spot anymore. So perhaps some other little town next to them, right, yeah. is now the, the, the spring break destination. But Neptune is now an upper crusty. They've taken over. This battle is compl- is over, right? Like, well, for now. Yeah, I mean, true. Right. You never know like, who could come in and want it to get worse again. <laughs> maybe, yes. that, maybe that could be Dick when his movie bombs. Or or maybe Weevil and his forces will mount a counterattack in, in a yeah. season five. But Or um, who knows how they could be working in some way to support this, right? They, right. That's the way Clyde kind of worked with the underbelly. And I mean, I started thinking about things like, um, again, like Penn in jail, meeting up with old criminals, but also could Clyde, could Veronica somehow come to Clyde for retribution against Penn for Logan? Because Clyde has, right, has connections to the prison. It just, they this, this little two or three minutes here that they did was little wrap up was so great. I I keep on thinking about the aerial shots because it really sets it up so great, a sense of place. And then to ground it in with the therapist. And that was really, what's the, is that, is that Mary McDonald, Mary McDonald. Okay. Where, what, 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 she was um she was the president in Battlestar Galactica. Yes, that's right. And she was also in like some older wasn't she like in Witness or something? Or no, she was um she was the female <laughs> character in Dances with Wolves. Oh, okay. That was yeah. the big movie she was in. Okay, right. Yeah. Um she's great. So always and she has such a way about her, such a gentle way of listening and speaking. Great casting. Before we get into more of the of the ending therapist stuff, the Back to the one year later montage, there was also visual confirmation that Maddie did have the Maloof ring. Yes. And that she used that ring to keep the sea sprite. To keep the sea sprite. That is right. Great. Thank you for mentioning that. Another great 
like base of operations and all the crazy things that happen at a hotel, you know, and you just, it makes you think like, who could she get? Oh, and Hey, now that Max is out of work because his pot shop got put out of out of uh, business. Remember they mentioned that too. Maybe he can come and run the sea Sprite. Right. I mean, (laughs) the the possibilities are really endless, which is, which is what makes it so great. I love it. I love it, man. This was, uh, that was great. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Do what, uh, what else do we have to, I think we kind of covered everything. Yeah, because at the top of the episode, we talked about the therapy session between Jane and Veronica and how it sort of anchored the entire episode emotionally. Um, And then she rides off into the sunset, like literally rides off into the sunset. But it it didn't feel like an ending. It felt like the beginning of a new chapter. That's what it felt like. 100%. Now. I said to Sean before I had seen this whole season, we were, I was um, messaging with him. I was like, I'm so excited for season five. And he's like, I don't know after you'll see what happens after this season. And this is so new to me. Like I said, I watched it. I rewatched to do notes and uh, I didn't really read anything about this season. I don't know. I'm not even sure of what I know. The initial critical reaction was yeah. very positive. Yeah. I have, and you and I have, and I think I'm being fair. I think I know we love this, Ken, but I thought this was a great season. I don't understand. It didn't look like it cost a super amount of money. So yeah. I don't understand why there wouldn't be another C. I'd like to talk to Sean about it and we can find out more. And before we do that episode, I'm going to do a bunch of reading about it um, because I do think that the way I don't think Hulu really advertised it that well. And I watch a lot of Hulu and I haven't even seen a lot of commercials for Veronica Mars that Hulu's running itself. Right. So um, it's that surprised me. But. I just think this end totally sets up another season. It's not an ending. Veronica Mars doesn't ever end, right? As long as Veronica Mars is alive, this show can continue. Right. And I I have read a few. Here's what I, since watching the final episode a, a little over a week ago, I have read a few interviews with Rob Thomas. And that's the only thing I've read as far as like, um, as a kind of a season wrap up kind of thing online. And Rob did say all of the things that we have been talking about, which made me feel good because it, good. it, it makes me feel smart. But, um, but he did say, you know, it was important to have her start a new chapter. It was important to kind of wrap up. Here's one thing he said, which I thought was fascinating. We can definitely talk about it in the next podcast where we wrap up season four and the series so far. But he said it was important to wrap up the soap operatic qualities of the show Mm -hmm. and that he wanted moving forward to focus more on the, on the gritty, bare-bones storytelling of noirish stories. I I think that's great. I I you know what, Ken? I think that that's fantastic because we know that they can do both. 
Yeah. And I think by concentrating on that, on, on the, on the aspects of that gritty noir stuff, they have such a great handle on the emotional stuff. We yeah. know they're going to do that. So when they lay off that stuff and it's less high schooly and stuff like that, I like it. The only thing that annoys me about that is does that mean that Leo's gone forever too? <laughs> You know what? I don't think he's gone. Good. I really don't. I, I think him. he'll he'll be one of the reoccurring him. stable of characters yes. who she'll continue to bring food to and flirt with <laughs> to get information out of. Like I just think that's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um I you know, so. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I look forward to reading those and we'll talk about and I'm gonna read a bunch and we'll talk about that. Yeah. I do wanna say I wanna chime in so we are talking about this episode. And there, I know that the one thing I, I do know, because I had to do a little bit of interneting, is that there were some people upset about um, yeah. Logan getting killed. Yeah. And I just, I mean, people have listened to our podcast before. To, I'm, I kind of trusted decisions that writers make. I don't second guess it, you know, too yeah. much in the sense of I could say, did this like ruin the show or take away an aspect of the show or, but I don't think so at all. I think it totally worked. Um, I am upset by it in the sense that I was liking Logan. And I think there's a, there was a lot for his character to show us, but I have to admit to you, maybe it'll be different after I read some stuff or, or digest it. And maybe I'm just saying this, but, I still think he could be alive, even if he's saying he wants to lessen the soap opera qualities. I still think that Veronica Mars has it within itself to pull a person coming back on some secret mission. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm totally fine with it. I accept it. I, I have the capacity to accept both in my mind at the same time. And I think that it was an important decision for the character of Veronica. And in a lot of ways, like you said, Ken, it's kind of her destiny to be this loner. You know? Yeah. I, I think thematically it all works because yeah. either way it's a loss for her yes. because, yeah. because he's not with her. So, um, and it still works with what you just said of kind of the loner noir, you know, hero detective thing um, that she's doing or that Rob Thomas is doing through her character. So um, if we get more kind of like bare boned, meaty eight episode, 10 episode seasons like this, I, then, then I'm a completely happy camper. Me too. Um, I, I love it. And I love the idea of her going to different places. And this is something that I, I know that I mentioned earlier Get her up and out of Neptune. The yeah. story has to move past Neptune, you know? And I think that in a sense, where they left it allows us to leave it for a while, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll come back. Maybe we go two seasons where we do a season in New York or LA or something like Chicago or something, right? And yeah. then maybe even Europe or something, right? And yeah. then she comes back to Neptune and takes on Clyde or something, you know, like that would be cool. How Keith could get involved in this. I don't know. Maybe we even have to leave Keith a little bit and we check in on him. 
which would be something different, but maybe we have to see Veronica on her own. Yeah. You know, um, which we really didn't get to see when she went to college. Right. Uh, so there could be, there's just so many different ways to go, but overall I love this season and I really thought this was a great episode because it just felt like every other episode it built, it built, and then it just got you. Um, I don't know. I love Veronica Mars and I thought that this was really satisfying and I'm okay with Logan being dead. Um, I mean, it was sad and I I don't want to hurt your feelings there, Ken, but um, (laughs) I think it it serves the plot very well. I, I mean, as you know, because we, you know, we wrapped up season one, two, three, and then, and then the movie and then did episode by episode for this season. As you know, I'm a huge fan of the character. I'm also a huge fan of them as a couple. And so for me to say that even though I'm devastated, (laughs) I can't even tell you how devastated I'm like Ned Stark devastated that he's dead. Or I'm like, you know, the red wedding devastated that, that, that he's dead. Even though I do feel that way, at the same time, I think it was creatively the right thing to do. And I understand how it works in thematically with what Rob wants to do with the show. And and I think here's here's what a fictional character's death should always do. And all the good ones do it. It should it should mean something. It should propel the plot forward, or it should propel the characters forward in a different way, or in in you know. And that's what I think Logan's death is going to do. And so, in that sense, I think it's completely satisfying, even though I am personally decimated. But yes, so I feel both things at the same time, which is great. Yep, and that's what this show is. This show is about the infiniteness of the human condition, and it shows it, right? Within this genre, we get to see everything. It's a kind of a prism that lets us see these characters and ourselves. And, uh, you know, Ken, we're going to do another episode, and I'll tell you, if there's a season five of Veronica Mars, I want to podcast it with you, buddy. I wouldn't do it with anyone else, Axel. So it's been, it's, and thank you to all the listeners too who've been, who've taken this journey with us. Those of you who binged it all, but still listen to each of these episodes, or you literally took the journey with us and watched two episodes at a time and then listen. Thank you guys for listening because it's been great. I mean, I would do this anyway. I would talk about Veronica Mars anyway, even if no no one were listening. Um, but thank you guys, too, for kind of going on this journey with us. It's been great. Um, and so and hopefully maybe Axel and I gave you guys something to think about or made you think about something in a different way. Or maybe we initiated you to Veronica Mars and now you're huge fans. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. This has been so great. We got another one. We're going to be back with a final episode for this season. I'm not going to say for the series because I hope and I think it's going to continue. We're going to talk to my good friend, Sean, and Ken will have an opportunity to meet him. That's going to be a fun one. And that'll be wide ranging. So any questions, comments, anything you have to say about Veronica Mars, email us, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. On behalf of Ken and I, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to let Ken take us out. Oh, thank you. 
on behalf of everyone at DVR Network, it's been great talking about Veronica Mars. Look forward to the final, to the next episode where we'll wrap this whole thing up for now. But thank you for listening, everyone. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>